Cleo. We rock heavily. We rock heavily. S-C-A-T-T-L-E. Seattle. S-C-A-T-T-L-E. Rock. S-C-A-T-T-L-E. Seattle. S-C-A-T-T-L-E. I was born a minority piss poor like most With nothing but a dream to rock the coast Weatherman predicts rain, Tim's 30 degrees Hawk chilling on my face for crew sporting me Moist airs everywhere, I had enough of soul Seattle's got juice with rock and roll From Chicago to New York, I was born and raised Natural born rock and never been on stage Hanging out on the corner of 3rd and Pike Be petitioning me change while I rock the mic I'm not ripping no cars, not doing no dope Not an alcohol fanatic, not a child of the Pope From 94.3, my crew's getting exposed Cars are coming in for us to do shows Practice makes perfect, try to climb to the top You come to breaking the song, this is to us rock
you're listening to CITR Radio, FM 102, Cable 88.5, Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada. And it's time right now for the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show. You just heard right there from Seattle, Washington, 1988, Chili Uptown with Seattle Rockers. Today on the Nardwar to Human Serviette Radio Show, interviews with Slayer, Getty Lee of Rush, and Rob Halford of Judas Priest. Right now, I thought I'd begin with some Kelly Peach Pop. Kelly's from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada, and also plays in The White Wires. She also did some time in The Felines. So some Kelly Peach Pop with Do Wah Diddy, and then a cover of a band from Winnipeg, Manitoba, The Guess Who. Yes, Alton Ellis and his cover of The Guess Who's These Eyes. And then an interview with Slayer. And in an interview with Getty Lee of Rush. And in an interview with Rob Halford of Judas Priest. All on the Nardwar, the Human Serviette Radio Show on CITR FM 102, Cable 88.5. Here's Peach Kelly Pop. You are so
Who are you? I'm Tom. Araya. Oh, Slayer. Oh, Slayer, yeah, that's right. And Tom, who else is in Slayer right now beside you? Besides me, there's Carrie, Paul, and Jeff. But uh, beside you immediately right now is... And who, who are you? I am, uh... Who am I? Oh, Jeff Hanneman of Slayer. And you're Jeff of Slayer. Now, Tom, where did you first learn how to hot knife? How to hot knife? <laughs> that was a long time ago. I think it was around Larry's Hideaway. <laughs> In Toronto. Wow. Wasn't was it not in Winnipeg, Canada? Because there's some guys in a band not, called not, not, not Sinister Witch, and they claim they taught you how to hot knife no, at Wellington's. Wasn't, that wasn't that wasn't in Toronto. It was in it, yeah, actually, it was in Toronto, but it was in Larry's. Uh, it's an old club that's no longer there anymore. Larry's Larry's Hideaway, I think it was called. So Canadians did teach Slayer how to hot knife then. <laughs> yeah, had a hot knife and burn your lips. <laughs> I'm just. On this brand new LP, Tom, you have a song called Scrum. What's that all about? What's the song Scrum about? It's about uh, not hot knifing, but it's about rugby, apparently. Wearing yeah. funny little hats. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're detachable, actually. They have little things that happen there, Tom. But no, Tom, is that is that changing things? Is that changing? Like, does that mean it's is there any more? Is that mean Satan's over? I mean, ru a rugby song for Slayer? You're gonna have to ask Carrie that. <laughs> That's Carrie's tune. How filled with hate are you guys? Are you guys still filled with hate? Is it still rolling? Is it still rocking? Is Slayer still doing it? Like, how have you kept yourself full of hate all these years? Who said we were hateful? We're not hateful. We're lovable. Well, you know, like, just, you know, there's elements of, you know, this angst. You know, how have you kept that way, Thomas Slayer? Uh, meeting people like you. <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you think, Tom? Do you think Metallica are Metallica wimps? Come on, they're wimps, aren't they? I don't know. Me are Metallica wimps? I never got in a fight with them, so I don't know. But they're fa your fans think that they're wimps, don't they? I probably do, yeah. Because, like, your fans are pretty devoted to you. What do you think of your fans? They're devoted to us very much. Yes, they are. Do you notice them heading to the liquor store right now? As you, there's a whole bunch of them walking to the liquor store, just going. Like, I was wearing my T-shirt. It's like, yeah, Slayer, the gig tonight. I got the liquor. That's okay. They got to get the right mindset, I guess. They're so devoted to you. They refuse to believe anything that's told to them about Slayer. Do you guys like yogurt at all? I don't. I do. <laughs> you like yogurt? Yeah, fruit. There's this, there, there's this guy, Tom, in Tacoma. His name is The Mosher. Now, this guy in Tacoma, his name is The Mosher, he was told, I think he was told that Slayer eat yogurt. You know, and he was like, Slayer eats yogurt? No way! No, that, that's not what, what I believe! Slayer, Slayer eat pussy, man! Yeah, I do that too. <laughs> what, what do you think about that? I mean, you just couldn't change this guy's opinion. Like, they have the stuff that, you know, they're stuck in your mind. Like, you, you don't eat yogurt. I do not eat yogurt, no. But what do you think about these fans? Like, they have this idea about you, you know? Like, you, like you do well, you eat yogurt and pussy, but I mean, like, it's weird that they have that feeling. Don't you think so? Like, they believe stuff that maybe isn't actually true? That's true. Very true. <laughs> There's a lot of things that they believe that aren't true. <laughs> no, Tom, were you in Paris over, over Christmas? Uh, no, not over Christmas, no. Okay, because there was another guy, another guy called Scruz, a Hesher from Tacoma, and he swore he saw Tom from Slayer in Paris. When? Over Christmas. What year? This year. <laughs> no. Because he thought, no, Tom, this no, like, you know, there's no, there's no way he eats yogurt. There's no way he's in Paris with his girlfriend. He doesn't have a girlfriend. No, I'm married. <laughs> what was it like touring with Judas Priest? 
Um, I don't even remember. That was such a long time ago, but uh, I think it went well. Yeah, it was a good tour. That was 89, 89. What was the interaction between like you know Slayer fans and Priest fans? Or did you notice the difference between Priest fans and Slayer fans? Mm, no, the only thing I noticed is that all the chairs were collapsed when we played. So the first 10 rows would usually collapse. Because there's that story of that one Priest fan meeting Rob Halford, who was dressed in lingerie and then breaking out into tears. Did any of that happen backstage? Like, was Rob in any lingerie, you know, going around? Uh, I'm sorry, I don't know him that well. <laughs> <laughs> well, how about Jeff? How about on the rider? Is there anything bizarre that's been put on the rider? Like, do Slayer put any socks on the rider? Uh, no socks. Uh, <laughs> not at all, but, uh... You know, for the masturbation in the sock routine. Come on, you know about that one, don't you, Tom? <laughs> it keeps it nice and clean? Yeah, it does. <laughs> fans cry if they saw this jacket. Check this right over here. Look at this jacket that Cindy has. She, she was a South of Heaven prom queen. Look, a pink Slayer jacket with on the back. Wow, that's really cool. Now, would Slayer fans cry if they saw that? Like, you know, like, that's not really the standard Slayer jacket, is it? It says Slayer on it, though. That's all that counts, I think. But she was queen of the South of Heaven prom, which happens in Tacoma, Washington, believe South it or not. South of Heaven prom. Every year in Olympia, there's a South of Heaven prom, and she was queen, the South of Heaven prom. That jacket helped win her, the prom queen. Thank you, Tom. Cool. Cool, that's fine with me. And what happened to Kerry's spikes? What happened to Kerry's spikes? He had all the spikes. What happened? I think he lost them, actually. He was looking for them the other day. He found them. He did he find them. They're found. found. They you guys found. had some neat fashion. Like, you mentioned about discovering hot knifing in um, Toronto. Toronto is... Hot knifing? What is hot knifing? It's if you roll up a ball of hash and you put it between two hot knives and you uh. smoke it. Ah. Because in Toronto, you're big in hockey. You guys... Check that out, will you? <laughs> <laughs> You got you guys um, like hockey, and you're like wearing like hockey jerseys and spikes. That's a totally cool combination, isn't it? Yeah, actually, spikes would work well in hockey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they should. They should, add, they should add spikes to hockey. There's no real trends f for Slayer. Like you guys, you don't follow any rules. Like I was thinking, like who comes to a you know a Slayer gig? Everybody loves Slayer, don't they? The punks, the metalheads. But what sort of like you know you go backstage at a gig at Bon Jovi, and there's like you know Tom Arnold or something. What sort of celebs would go to a Slayer gig? It would have to be an ultra cool celebrity. Like what sort of people hang with the Slayer? Like, uh, you know, Sean Lennon said he's into Slayer. What? Sean Lennon. I interviewed Sean Lennon last week, and he said he's into Slayer. <laughs> hear that? That was my jaw that dropped. <laughs> who is not into Slayer? Like, who is not? Everybody loves Slayer. Like, you guys are the best. You're Slayer. The one, the one celebrity, the one, uh, the one celebrity that we know is, uh, what's his name? Piazza. Mike Piazza is a baseball player. And who's that, that football guy? I don't guy remember. The Eagles. Yeah, there's a few uh, few athletic guys that are into Slayer, and they 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 yeah, use. He's the only big guy that, that that's uh, that's a jock that's into us. That what I team does he play for? Uh, he plays for the Met, uh, New York, New York Mets now. I don't know. He used to be on the Dodgers, then he got traded a couple he's times. He's a catcher. He's a catcher for that. I think he's for the. And he uses you for athletic reasons. Yeah, they usually they use the music to to warm up and psych themselves up for the the game that they're going to be playing. What's your best Venom story? Do you have any good Venom stories? You guys going on that tour with Venom? Yeah, I have a story, but I'm not going to tell. <laughs> That's a secret. Oh, please, Tom, this a little tidbit. No, I can't. I can't tell you. Uh -uh. Uh, no, I can't tell you that story. Does it involve shark? No. Because on that tour, Kronos was saying... Kronos was saying all the bands were out front, like, headbanging. Like, all the bands would be out front headbanging to Venom. You know, like, Venom were the best. Were you actually out front there on the Ultimate Revenge video? You know, they're saying that. Were you out front headbanging yourself to Venom? I don't remember that. 
<laughs> don't think so. Nah, if it, if I was probably on the side of the stage or up at a distance on the balcony watching, but I don't remember being in the front moshing. Tom Flair, how do you do your special? How did you develop your special headbang? It's not the classic, you know, so you got your own left to right. How did you develop that headbang? <laughs> Let's see, uh, I went like this, like this, like this, and then kind of came out pretty cool. Like it is, it's different, isn't it? When you look at him doing it, what do you think of Jeff? I think he's going to like fall off the stage or something because it's, it, it is pretty different. What makes you bang head? What makes you want to bang head? The music. <laughs> do you ever hurt your neck at all? Like has there been any neck problems? No, no neck problems. I heard that you puke before every show out of nervousness. Does that still happen? That still happens, yeah. So tonight, no, no booze. Just oh, what? It happens sometimes. It's not all the time. I always get nervous, but sometimes a little more than others. That's all. Now, there's this brand new book out there called "This Lords of Chaos." Have you guys seen that book? That I've death, heard about this it. death metal book? Yes, I've heard about it. And like you know, it talks about all those bands, the Norwegian black metal bands. You know, where like they burn churches and eat pig brains and stuff like that. They kill each other, right? And they kill each other. And you're actually in this book quite prominently. You're actually described as a lesser venom. You guys a are. lesser venom. You're described as a lesser venom. But what I was... Yeah, that's why we're still playing. <laughs> <laughs> and the Lords of Chaos, the name of this book is. But when you were on tour, did you ever play with any of those bands like Mayhem at all? Because I was looking at these pictures, and this looks pretty scary. And a lot of these guys... Well, have you ever come in contact with any of that? Like, have any of their fans been mad? Hey, man, Slayer, you're not killing people. You're not burning churches. We're mad at you. Fine. <laughs> they can be mad at me. I don't care. No, but have you ever been scared by the... Because I imagine some of these guys are your fans that come out, you know, stuff. Yeah, there's some freakos like you that scare me. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, have you, Jeff, ever, like, put, took a cat at all and put it on the altar? Uh, not... I used to do that as a kid, but not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and on Donahue, do you remember that Donahue show where they had those kids on there on Donahue? Yeah, what about it? And then they said, five out of five kids that kill, listen to... No, it's not a Donahue, it was a Geraldo. And it's five out of five kids who kill listen to Slayer. And there's other people that are into Slayer. Well, they're into killing me, but they listen to Slayer. But this guy, I, I don't know if you met him before, but his name is Quiddy. He does this zine called Hessian Obsession. Hessian Obsession. Hessian Obsession is the name of the zine, and he was, they went down and tried to track your new drummer, because you know, he's, he was from punk bands and stuff, he hangs out with your, your new drummer, Paul, right? Or, well, he's, he likes punk, doesn't he? Well, you guys do all actually, the punk. Not, actually, he's not our new drummer, he's just rejoined the band again. Well, coming back and forth. And on this, they, what they do in this zine, actually, is they dare listeners and readers of the zine in Hessian Obsession to use Slayer lyrics in everyday life. Oh, yeah? Like what? Give well, an example. Like, well, like, you know, like, I was down there at the mall, uh, severing flesh and gouging eyes with the fish. Okay. You know, and, like, they want people to use those little, uh, like, how long can you last in this frozen water burial? You know, and, they, and, and then they talk about, hey, kid, you get out, better get out of the pool. I mean, these people are, these people are just, like, totally devoted to you guys, Tom and Jeff. Like, this Hessian obsession zine. They even had a Slayer crossword puzzle. Wow. Now, on your punk covers record, you did this song, I Want to Be Your Dog, but you changed it to I Want to Be Your... God. God. Now, why did you change the lyrics? You changed them slightly. Now it's time to bury my... face... Right. ...between your... Keep going. ...legs okay. with your... Fist? ...tongue <laughs> in that special... Place. Oh, that place. Was that was now, Tom, what is that special place? Gee... Let's see. Between the toes? <laughs> <laughs> so, Tom of Slayer, were you guys in that movie Backstage Sluts? N no, I've heard about that, though. Is that room where rock bands talk about their fantasies and interact out by porno actresses? You weren't actually in that? No. 
And how do you feel about the new Van Halen, that new singer, that new guy? Sounds like Hager, Sammy Hager. Is it embarrassing to you? Have you seen him prancing around? Don't listen, don't watch. Don't and, listen. And in, <laughs> other, and in other new Slayer news there, Tom and Jeff Slayer winding up here with Tom and Jeff. And Slayer, it really is! Tom and Jeff and Slayer, I got it! It really is! It really is! It really is, you guys. Do you know who your label mates now are? Do you know who your label mates now are? Who? You just got some new label mates on Sony. Cinderella, Rat, and Great... White. Great White have just signed to Sony. They signed to Sony? Yeah, the, the guy signed them to Sony. They're now, you know, like they got all dumped. They ended up on CMC. Now they're back. You're going to have the Great Whiters twice bitten shy guys on your record label. That's bullshit. That's not real, is it? You know what? It's true. They just got signed in a brand, no, brand new Metal Edge. Go check it out. In a brand new Metal Edge. Jerry and Miller of Metal Edge. What else do you guys like to add Tom and Jeff of Slayer to the people out there? Buy our records, don't buy theirs. <laughs> Why should people care about Slayer? Why should people care? Because we're important. Because we care about the music we write. All right, Tom, one last thing. Could you just give one little scream? Do you think like they do an angel of death, you know, like you do? Ah, can you just end the interview with that, please? This little, yeah. ah, <laughs> this little one together with me, please. It's been a fantasy I've been acting out all week. Bottle, I'm sure you can do a really good job when I shove it up your butt. Oh, please. <laughs> I know, I like a broom handle, actually, instead. All right. Oh, but, but it's Go a little one. broom. <laughs> uh, please, Tom. Tom of Slayer, just one little one. Ah! There you go. Dude, dude. Okay, Tom of Slayer, Tom and Jeff of Slayer. Doot, 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 doot. <laughs> Tom and Jeff of Slayer. Doot, 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 doot. You're bizarre. <laughs> <laughs> ah! Very good. Ah! That's very good. Tom, Tom. Ah! Please, please, this one. Please, this Please, we'll give you Hessian Obsession. This, this one little angel. Ah! You're going to give me this for that? Yeah, we will. For a scream. <laughs> well, I ain't doing it. <laughs> go. Oh, please, this is one Tom Slayer, please. Ah! Ah! All right, thank you so much. Thank you. Really appreciate that. Thank you, sir. Thank you. And keep on rocking the free world. <laughs>
are you? Uh, I beg your pardon? Who are you? <laughs> Who are you? I am Nardwarty Human Serviette, and you are? You're the Human Serviette? Nardwarty Human Serviette. Well, that's rather gross. What does that mean? Just like, you know, napkin, you know, wiping things up. up with it but you are most importantly you are i am a guy you are getty lee yes getty you are god i must say that you are god you are getty lee you are god well that's an unusual way to describe me getty at one time did rush once open for the new york dolls at the old new yorker theater in toronto uh we opened for the new york dolls at the victory burlesque theater in toronto so how glam were you back then how glam? Yeah, how glam were you back I then? I think we were going through a transition of being slightly glam in a, in a bar band sense, because at, at that stage we were still pretty much a bar band. And, uh, you know, transitioning from that to kind of a more rock band. Because you looked very effeminate at that time. I have this wall towel of you guys where you're all wearing, like, silk kimonos. Yeah, we used to. We used to wear silks and satins and... Ridiculous platform shoes and sequin tops and things like that. Was there any particular shampoo that you used at all, Getty? Well, that's a rather dumb question. Well, just curious, you know, to bring out that special rush look in the early days. Yeah, well, I can see this interview is going into a very boring direction for me. Well, Getty, first off, you started your own label, Anthem, because no one else would get behind Rush. You guys are like the prototype for the original Canadian DIY punk band. We were, I beg your pardon? Like, you guys started Anthem, your label, because no one else would get behind you guys. You're like the original Canadian DIY band, do-it-yourself band. Yes, well, I, I guess so. No, I also heard, Red Getty, that you like baseball. Yes. Mike Piazza of the Mets like Slayer. Do you hang around any baseball players at all? Well, I have some friends that are baseball players. Did you ever hang around Dave Winfield at all? Uh, no, I met him one time. What did you think when he killed that pigeon a few years ago, you being a big Blue Jays fan, I imagine? Well, I think it was kind of a unusual circumstance, to say the least. So, Getty, didn't you hang around Vetus Gerolitis a little while back? Yeah, he was a friend of mine for a while. And Vetus Gerolitis hung around John McEnroe, who, who hung around the Dead Boys. Did you ever see the Dead Boys at all in the early days of Rush? No. Didn't the Ramones open for Rush at one time? No. Rush, little-known pretenders to punk rock's raunchy throne, stormed on stage at the Summit Arena in Houston and received the ear-splitting roar usually reserved for such legendary hard rock bands as Led Zeppelin and Grand Funk Railroad. McLean's Magazine, 1977. Rush, little-known pretenders to punk rock's raunchy throne. That's pretty odd. That was McLean's Magazine. Yeah, I know. Well, I guess to McLean's Magazine, we must have seemed like punk, which doesn't say much for what McLean's Magazine uh, knows about music. Getty, how come you guys didn't ever do a full-on punk album? A lot of my friends were wondering that, because that would have been a wicked, a rush punk album. That's because we weren't a punk band. But you had some punk-associated type things with you. For instance, like, didn't Gerald Cassell from Devo do some of your videos? Yeah, but he wasn't a punk. And you wore a Devo pin as well. Yeah, but they weren't punk. But you had that kind of feel, though. Like, you wore skinny ties, and you seemed to be kind of inspired by New Wave. Like, were you into Gary Newman at all? No. 
What about Digital Man and Spirit of the Radio having reggae parts? There, would you say there was any punk feel there at all? Like, why didn't you do a punk? I don't know why you associate reggae ska with punk. Well, it was the whole it's new way. It's a completely different genre of music. Well, a lot of the punk bands use that. Like, you know, The Clash did reggae. Even DOA from Vancouver broke into some reggae as well. And right. I just kind of saw that police influence in those songs at all. Yeah, well, at police, we're a pop band, not a punk band. So do you take offense to the word punk at all then, Gideon? No, I don't take offense to it at all. There were some punk bands that I liked, but I don't really see how you associate it with our music. Well, I just seen that you guys have that punk feel, because you had the Melvins open for you guys. Do you think the Melvins were the best band to ever open for Rush at all, Getty? Uh, no. I think Melvins were a pretty interesting band. Unfortunately, they, they didn't really fare very well in front of our audience. What happened? Well, they weren't very well thought of. How about the other bands you've had? Like, you had that band Rabbit. Remember them? W-R-A-B-B-I-T? I can barely remember them. Or Chalk Circle. Didn't the Melvins do as well as Chalk Circle? No, actually, Chalk Circle did better. Now, Getty, what are you guys listening to right now, besides your live album, Different Stages, that's just right out right now? What are you listening to right now? Uh, I'm listening to Bjork a lot. I'm listening to uh, some bass and drums collections from Ninja Tunes. Are you a big Sloan fan at all? Because didn't you have, like, twice removed from the Canadian band Sloan in your car stereo a little while back? Didn't I have what? Sloan. The yeah. band Sloan. Are you a big Sloan fan at all, Getty Lee? Uh, not particularly. I've heard a few of their pieces. Some of the stuff is interesting to me. Some of it's not. Because they have that song, She Says What She Means, that has a very, very similar bass line to Spirit of the Radio. It's their new song, She Says What She Means. I was just curious if you had heard that at all. No, I haven't. Have you heard that Mixmaster Mike from the Beastie Boys used Tom Sawyer as the show opener to the Beastie Boys' Canadian dates? Yeah, I heard that. And what did you feel about that? Well, that was kind of cool. Getty, do you feel guilty at all about the thousands of teenage boys who ended up with blisters on their thumbs trying to be a cool rock bassist like yourself? <laughs> yeah, I feel real guilty about it. Have you ever talked to Lemmy from Motorhead about basses? He has like a customized Rickenbacker bass, and yours is stock. Well, it's been many years since I've talked to Lemmy, and I remember at the time we didn't talk much about basses. What did you talk about, Getty Lee? Oh, other stuff. Getty, speaking of talking, Ben Mink has said that you speak fluent Yiddish? Uh-huh. How many other rock stars can do that? How many other rock stars can speak fluent Yiddish like Getty Lee of Rush? Well, aside from Ben Mink, I don't know too many others. Because your voice really is truly amazing. However, Getty, Rolling Stone Record Guide seems to think you have, quote, a voice like Donald Duck. What the hell is their problem? I don't know. You have to ask them. And speaking of your voice, Getty, have you heard the Pavement song Stereo off their Brighten the Corners album that, that has that lyrics, you know, what about the voice of Getty Lee? How did it get so high? I wonder if he speaks like an ordinary guy. I know him, and he does. Right. I've heard about it. I haven't heard it myself. What do you do when you hear a song like that? Do you feel, like, proud that you've installed these young punkers? Again, going back to the punk illusion there, Getty, with these feel of rush. What do you feel about that when you hear a song like that? I think it's amusing. I think in a weird way it's complimentary. And Getty Lee of Rush, have you seen the book Mondo Canuck at all by Jeff Pavere and Greg Diamond? Uh, no, I haven't. Because in it there, they quote from Cream Magazine in 1976, a Rick Johnson who writes, The first thing you notice about Rush is that they're not as gross-looking as Bachman-Turner Overdrive, and that they have a somewhat lower thud weight than most other Canadian bands. 
true enough, Canuck rockers do seem to have some sort of uglier-than-thou competition among themselves, along with a tendency to pounce on unsuspecting ears like a carnivorous dump truck. What is the deal on Cream Magazine? Why did Americans think Canuck rockers are so ugly? Uh, I have no idea. I guess when you're uh, uh, in, if you have to take that time period in consideration, and when you think of the bands that were successful from Canada uh, around that period, you're talking about the Guess Who and Bachman Turner Overdrive, and that's pretty much it. So it doesn't really paint a very pretty picture, does it? No, but I was curious. How about female fans? Did you have many female fans at all, Getty Lee? Now? Back then. Back then, very few. Yeah, because they sing you're ugly. Maybe that's what they were equating it with. But that's not true because what's wild about you guys is I would say your brand of rock, Russia's rock, is kind of geek rock in a way. And it also is thug rock because you have the geek rock. A lot of the kids are into Dungeons and Dragons were into you guys. But also the thugs in the school, you know, the big tough guys were into that. Would you say, would you agree with that at all, Getty Lee? Well, I think our audience was mostly musicians. Whether you want to call them geeks or not is up to you, but... Uh there were a lot of musicians in the crowd, and uh, we also seemed to appeal to people that were uh, a little over-inebriated. Getty, the Canadian content on the Rush resume is amazing. I mean, you are the man. I was saying, you are God. You are Getty Lee. You sang Take Off A to the Great White North. That's great to have that on your resume. Well, it's amusing. It's excellent. And you also had Count Floyd. Count Floyd from SCTV introduced a tune to Red Barchetta as one of your concerts. Well, didn't that happen? You had like Count Floyd introducing one of your songs? Yeah, the song was uh, uh, The Weapon, I believe. On a big video screen. Yeah, he did a int- couple of intros for us. Getty Lee of Rush, what was it like being present for the recording of the greatest Canadian record of all time? What was that? Tears are not enough! <laughs> Well, uh, it was interesting. It was uh, fairly comical to watch all these people being uh, one by one brought to the mic and ordered around by David Foster. And, uh, at the same time, it was a lot of fun to meet people like Neil Young and Joni Mitchell, and who are artists I've had a great respect for for many years. But uh, I would say it was a very odd pairing of human beings. Well, just how annoying was David Blow Dry Foster in the studio that fateful day in March 1985, Getty Lee? Well, I remember him asking Joni Mitchell to sing her line over and over again, and to everyone standing around, uh, her, every performance was, was wonderful, and yet he insisted on making her uh, sing it over and over again to, to most people's amazement. And then when Neil Young came in, he sang it once, and... Uh, David Foster asked him to sing it again because it was a little out of tune, and uh, Neil replied to him that that's his style and he's not going to do it again, to which uh, a great swelling of pride uh, welled up in uh, all the onlookers. Your line, and you know that we'll be there, that's awesome. Did you have any trouble getting that off at all? No, it was one take. Did you get to talk to Canada's country gentleman, Tommy Hunter, at all at that No, no, I didn't. And, Getty Lee of Rush, Terry Brown has produced, like, all your albums, like, except the first one, and he worked on, like, Wild Thing by the Trogs and Substitute by the Who. Oh, wait, 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 he hasn't produced all our albums. Well, like, he, hasn't, he hasn't worked with us since, uh, 1981. Oh, jeez. Well, your brand new album, who produced that? Peter Collins. 
But I was shattered to learn, though, from Terry Brown, shattered to learn when he revealed that Tom Sawyer, Getty Lee, is comprised of three different drum takes. Three different drum takes for Tom Sawyer? Say it isn't so, Getty. I don't remember that, to be honest. So, but in those days, you were, you were recording everything uh, analog, and uh, you were also playing as a band. So when you recorded, it wasn't just drums playing by themselves. It was bass, drums, guitar playing a bed track together. So the only technology available was to cut between different takes, which was quite normal in those days. So does that mean there's edits in Tom Sawyer, Getty Lee? There very well could be. Oh, no! Well, Terry Brown produced you guys, Getty Lee. Who have been some of the other behind-the-scene characters in the Rush empire? Like, who have been your roadies? Are there any good Rush roadie stories at all? Well, you know, it's 25 years of stories. It's hard to pull one up on command. But is there any truth to the rumor of Rush roadies accepting Anne Ryan books as bribes to get backstage to meet you guys? I don't think so. And Getty, do you really believe all that Anne Rand shit? I mean, come on, do you really believe all that, or is that Neil's thing? Um, Anne Rand was someone who was very influential on Neil and myself, uh, I would say, almost 20 years ago. And, uh, yes, I think she had a lot to uh, offer in terms of her theories on her artistic manifesto and and her belief in individualism. So at some point in my life, she was a formative influence, but one of many, I would say. Who would you say your favorite character in The Fountainhead is, Getty Lee? My favorite character in The Fountainhead? Which one do you think, which character parallels your life the best, you think, in The Fountainhead? None of them. And Getty Lee, Neil wrote all those Anne Randy lyrics. Like, he, you know, wrote all those Anne Randy lyrics. He's pretty smart. Like, I saw him interviewing Prime Minister Jean Chrétien on Much Music a while back. Neil Peart versus Prime Minister Jean Chrétien. Did you see that? Uh, yeah, I did. That's amazing. Neil Peart versus Jean Chrétien. And he had Chrétien totally on the hot seat. Well, he's a smart guy. What can I tell you? Did Maggie Trudeau come to any Rush gigs at all, Getty Lee? Have you ever approached Keith Richards when he was wasted? No. Did you get to meet Keith Richards or any of the Beatles at all? Uh, I met Ron Wood and Keith Richards once very briefly at a video shoot. In Toronto? Yeah. Was it for a Rush video? No, it was a Rolling Stone shoot. And Getty Lee, are you guys still into the drugs? Like in high school, Rush were the band to smoke dope to. And songs like Passage to Bangkok only made us want to get higher and higher. Yeah, well, I don't smoke dope. Um, Getty, what to you is real prog rock? You know, ELP, Yes, Amandua, Can, Gentle Giant. What to you is real prog rock? Well, prog rock, I'm afraid, is a dying or a outdated form of music. Nobody's really carrying the tradition on, but in its day, Vandergraaff Generator and uh, uh, at times Genesis and, uh, uh, you know, Yes, those bands were interesting to me. What got you into prog rock? Were you into the Toronto 60s scene at all? Did you ever see the Ugly Ducklings or the Poppers or the Mandela? I saw all those bands, yeah. So how does one get from... Kensington Market. Were you in any early bands? Did you ever share any bills with those in the early days of your first bands? No, I was still too young. So how exactly, Getty, does one get into prog rock? You know, to go from the Ugly Ducklings to prog rock. What made you go prog? What made you get interested in that type of music? I think it's musicians' music. I think as you... Uh, form uh, my tastes were formed out of bands like The Cream and The Who uh, and those kind of rock bands and as you get better as a player uh, 
those bands came along around that time, and that appeals to people that like to play. So, uh, you know, it's the the only rock alternative that's viable that's not jazz if you want to play something more complex. Was there ever a Triumph versus Rush rivalry at all? Because Triumph were kind of like a bad Rush. Was there ever a Triumph versus Rush rivalry? <laughs> not, not in my mind. Because they put on a good light show, but they were no Max Webster, were they? I mean, Max Webster, that was the hit. That was it, eh? That was a great band. Were Max Webster kind of like a baby Rush? No, they were completely uh, their own personality, very different from us. You actually sang a duet with Kim Mitchell on one of the Max Webster records, right? Yeah, the whole band, both bands played together on one song. Getty Lee of Rush, what's the biggest thing you've ever had chucked at you on stage in Rush? A shoe. That was the biggest thing? Yeah. There's never, like, nobody's ever grabbed, like, a microwave or anything else bizarre and suddenly ended up, like, no, at your feet? No, 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 no missiles, no, uh, you know, no fridges, just... A shoe, and believe me, when a shoe hits you in the head, it feels pretty darn big. And Getty Lee, if you were a dog, what breed would you be? Uh, next question. And then you also like to add to the people out there at all, Getty Lee. Mm, no, thank you. Why should people care about Rush? I haven't got the foggiest idea. Well, thanks for your time, Getty. Keep on rocking in the free world, and do-do-do-do-do. Okay. Getty Lee, do-do-do-do-do. Goodbye. No, Getty Lee. Doot doodaloot do. See ya. No, Getty, please. Doot doodaloot do. See ya. Please, Getty. Doot doodaloot do. Getty Lee of Rush. Getty Lee of Rush. Doot doodaloot do. Doot doodaloot do.
you're in for a shock In London town streets When there's darkness and fun When you least expect me And you turn your back I'll attack by the wall I laugh when I'm creeping but you won't hear me at all Oh, hear my warning Never turn your back on the ripoff You'll soon shake with fear and never knowing if I'm near I'm sly and I'm shameless Nocturnal and to the ball game at a theater. Is that true? No, 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 no. Where is that from? My life is surrounded by rumors. I'm like one big rumor. What you might be thinking of was a baseball event that I was a part of at the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks uh, baseball team uh, at the Bank Bank One ballpark. It opened some years ago and I sang the national anthem there with Dave Mustaine, Alice Cooper, Nils, Nils Lofgren, a bunch of other local talent, and um, that was a really cool special event. But that, that's that's my only association with baseball because I still, I, after all these years, I look at the baseball game and I go, "What is that guy doing over there? And where, why is he running over there?" You know, I'm still confused as all hell when it comes to baseball. Rob Halford, your new CD is amazing. I mean, it's amazing. You were totally back. I mean, not that you were gone before, but the way, 3.5 octave, is that where you can hold 20 years of the same notes? How do you do it? I don't know that. It's uh, coffee, lots of coffee, and uh, nicotine, which I'm not using right now, 
for health reasons, but I will when we finish this interview. Um, but I don't know. I mean, the thing about singers is that we've all got different abilities. We are born with what you've got. What I, what I tried to do when I began on this, this heavy metal thing years and years ago was just experiment and do as many things as I could with the voice. And I've just been, you know, been given this gift of all the extra possibilities, you know, like notes that only dogs can hear, that kind of a thing. I am God, I am hate, all I am, all the sins you make. I was curious, Rob, you've been kind of pegged over the years as a Satanist. For instance, from the Washington Post, January 1991, Halford loves opera and classical music and collects modern art. Yeah, where does Satan... And then they go on to say, not your average Satan. Now, where does Satan come into all this? They love, they love digging. They love digging at that. Well, you know, it's because they've got nothing else to talk about. They want, they want to find some kind of controversial moment. So, um, you know, they kind of sit there at their typewriter thinking, Judas Priest. That sounds a little... What, Judas? That was, the, that was the dude that did the bad stuff on Christ. Okay, that's kind of evil. Priest, yeah, there's, there's something really malevolent about this. Okay, yeah, Satan's there somewhere. You did throw in 666 on your new album, Resurrection. But yes. ha- have you heard of this guy at all? Bob Larson. Bob Halford. Bob Larson. Now, who is this guy? He's from the Bob Larson... Bob Larson. Bob Larson from the Bob Larson Industries. Check this, check this out. This is a quote here about Judas Priest if I could just um, read it right here to you. With a stage act ranging from smoke bombs to bullwhips, the leather-clad image of Judas Priest... I love this word, bellicose. I'm going to use that word on the next Halford album. I swear that I will use the word bellicose. I was afraid to pronounce it. Fits well with their heavy metal ear-splitting music. Dressed in chains and studs, singer Rob Halford has been known to drop his leather drawers mid-concert. Have you ever done that, Rob? Yeah, I do that. Most nights, yeah. Why not? When asked if he was personally involved in the S and M love torture techniques parodied in his performances, Halford replied, "To a certain extent, sexually, I have always been to the fullest extent of the experience that S and M has to offer. It's nice to experiment by yourself and get off on whatever you get off on." Yeah, my best friend is a jar of baby oil and a porno mag. A rock magazine promoting one of their albums may have said it best: Judas. Priest has sin for sale, Rob Halford. What do you think about that? Well, I don't know exactly what this book is about. What is it about? It's about all the bad bands. Listen to the words and don't like what they hear. Well, I guess I was curious. Do you have a dungeon in your house, Rob? Yeah, actually, it's, I do actually. Yeah, I have a dungeon and it's in my my uh, my place in Phoenix, and it's right next door to the workout room. Because uh, you have to pump up a sweat before you go into the, the dungeon routine. But in the dungeon, I've got like a sling. I've got a, like a gyne- gyne- <coughs> excuse me, gynecological chair. I've got whips and chains and um, black candles and all of this other cool stuff. Which is well, be- which is up for sale shortly because I'm moving. Put it on the internet. That's a good idea. eBay, eBay, watch out. It's like the drummer for Striper put up all his stuff for sale. I think one of those Striper outfits was for sale as well. He's doing it, you know. Kiss just had their big auction. You could buy, buy a piece of crap. 
crap from Kiss for like $2,000. But what's amazing is Pat Boone, you're approved by Pat Boone. Pat Boone covered one of your songs, right? Explain a bit about that. Like the parents should know that. You know, screw Satan. Yeah, you know, isn't this bizarre? Here's Pat Boone babbling, speaking in tongues, trying to heal people with his hands. And he gives me a call and says, Rob, will you sing on my, my album? <laughs> so he sends me, yeah, Pat Boone in a heavy metal mood sends me the kind of swing Las Vegas version of You've you got, got another, another thing, thing coming, baby. Yeah. Right here before your gig, Rob, what is your pre-gig warm-up? I heard you listen to a lot of Sabbath. I think this is it. I'm having it right now. I could literally walk from this room and rip the skin off people's faces. Savior, there can only be one. I'm the master, past and future. People look up to you, Rob. Heavy Metal Parking Lot. You were out in the parking lot just earlier. What do you think about the movie Heavy Metal Parking Lot? It's that, that's a, 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 a semblance of everything that we do. The people out there are what make everything that we do happen. How about the one from 86, the movie from 86? Do you remember that? Did you ever go in the parking lot? Uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> I've been going in parking lots ever since I got into rock and roll, and that's a good place to, to see and meet the real people, meet the real fans. They're out there right now here in Vancouver in the parking lot. I was just hanging out with them, signing stuff, talking to them. You know, wherever we go, that's where it's at. Well, it's a good thing you didn't go there in 86 because that lady wanted to jump your bones and you won't be able to go on stage. Well, didn't you know yet? <laughs> Rob, what came first? S&M fashion like in cruising or S&M fashion in heavy metal? Like who stole from who? Way before, yeah, that whole S&M thing was way before even heavy metal. I got this vintage collection of all that stuff and it goes way back to the 50s and the 60s. So so, I mean, I took that. I took that as a way of expressing the music that I was a part of, because metal, when I began, had no visual connection. So when I started to put on the leather jacket and the whips and the chains and everything, it was absolutely perfect. Here was a look. Here was an image that completely tied into the sound and the power and the drama of the heavy metal sound itself. And you completely influenced people. One of the times you played in this very arena, 1984 Pacific Coliseum. This is a picture. Rob, of all the stuff that was confiscated at the door. Yeah, and this, this, I got this one that's in the wardrobe case. I've used these chains. This was all your fans, all the stuff that was taken away from the fans. That's pretty heavy. And then also, this was from the same gig as well that night. Do you remember that night at all, Rob? Uh, you know, 1984, Vancouver. A bit more than the night. Look at that. Did you ever get in trouble with having spikes sticking out like that? Like, yeah, because I try and get on airplanes, commercial flights with stuff like this in my bag. And I remember on more than one occasion when I'd get to the um, security and I'd go through my bag and I'd find whips and chains and cuffs, but I would actually have to give them to the pilot and they'd say, we'll give you this when you're getting off the plane. So I guess that was the pilot at 35,000 feet having fun in the cockpit uh, while I was stuck in the back with my peanuts and warm coffee. They made some fans file those down, actually, in Canada. They're totally illegal. On this tour, you've been playing Breaking the Law. Yeah. On this tour, Rob. Now, what is the best law you've ever broken? Oh, there are way too many to mention, and they're all going to go in the Metal God book, which is being worked on as we speak. So you'll find every little bit, every tidbit, every rumor will be squashed. Every, every metal gospel will be exposed. It'll be full of blasphemy and infamy and every other kind. And Slayer as well. Uh, and Venom. Uh, all of that. Um, I was curious, though. 
Pansy Division. How did you meet Pansy Division? You sang Breaking the Law with them with changed lyrics up on stage. That was amazing. How did you meet them, Rob? I met them because I was at the San Diego Guy and Lesbian Pride event. No, that's not true. Rewind. I was playing a show in San Francisco and I went to this uh, club uh, which was just like this like cool kind of jazz, blues, rock club and Chris the bass player from Panzer Division came up and introduced himself and that was years and years ago when we became instant friends and when they came to play San Diego I went on stage and jammed Breaking the Law and they actually did a version on one of their records which is really cool you know because there's like Metallica song too yeah there's like Kirk Hammett playing guitar all that kind of stuff I mean you know that's, that's a validation for them because they're a wonderful band they, they write incredibly good songs and they're extremely underground but if you want to check them out. I mean, they're, they're by no stretch of the imagination a metal band, but for, for the musicianship, they've got this kind of edgy, punky rock thing going for them. I think they're really cool guys. You mentioned the tour began in Toronto. It's ending in Vancouver. Canada loves metal. Now, what are your Canadian connections, Rob? Did you once have a guest home in Peterborough? No, 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 no. This is just because I've had so many time, many good times in Canada since I first came over here in the late 70s with Priest. I have a lot of friends in Toronto. Of course, I've been through Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, up through Quebec, Montreal, um, here on this, this side of the country, Vancouver. I've spent time here. More recently, I did the two record at um, Brian Adams' house on Stanley Bay. And so um, this is just a cool place for me to come and hang out when I, when I want to get a bit of downtime. And Sebastian Bach, ex of Skid Row, didn't he give the name Halford to one of his kids yeah. as a middle name? It, he has this kid called um, something like Ludwig von Beethoven, Halford Tchaikovsky, Sibelius von Boten. One thing that's kind of sad, your connection to Canada, is hitting the ground in Toronto. What can you explain to people about that? You're on your motorbike, and there's a bit of a spill, Rob. It seems horrible. It's ironic, isn't it? Because I, I've, I've had some of my high, po high points and low points in Canada. And, and the low point was when I came off the bike at the last show with Priest in Toronto. And uh, somebody sent me a snippet of that, actually, just a few weeks ago on videotape. It's the first time I've seen it. But I came out under the drum riser and hit the bottom rung of the ladder, knocked me backwards off the bike, totally knocked me out for three minutes, and um, it was the first time Hellbent Flow that was done as an instrumental, but uh, that was a kind of a low point, but my high points are that I'm st I started this great tour with the new Resurrection CD, with the Halford Band, we began here in Canada, we've been all the way through. Like last night, tonight, maybe to be some crazy stuff, what do you think is going to happen tonight with the last night, like you've been on many tours Rob, the last night, what usually happens, or what do you think, what has happened in past? Uh, uh, things get out of control, absolutely out of control. Anything could happen tonight. There are absolutely no rules. And so, because there are no rules, that means everything's going to get broken. So, I mean, from the moment we walk on stage to the moment that Iron Maiden finish, anything is possible. Just keep your eyes open and your cameras rolling. Silent screams. Every time I scream, I'm killing pain. Well, that's because, that's because that's what metal music does for me as a person, uh, as a musician, and I'm, as, as I'm sure for all the fans out there, it's a cathartic moment when we get into this world of music, of metal music, and it's a great way of letting go, of getting out all of the stress, getting out all of the struggle, and in my case, getting rid of the pain, and the pain is just all the stuff that we accumulate in life that gives us... Um, 
good times and bad times, but that's what it makes me feel like. Every time I scream, I'm killing pain. Why do you think, Rob, that the hard rock world is so homophobic and super macho? I don't think it is. I think that that's a misconception. I think that that's just the way that it's been presented year after year after year by the press. And well, what about Sebastian Bach's t-shirt, remember? AIDS kills fags yeah, dead. I, I spoke to Sebastian about that, and he, he admitted that he screwed up, you know, and he was man enough to admit his mistake. I mean, everybody goes through a learning process, and Sebastian was one of the guys that was cool enough to see that. But, but I really feel that now, more than ever, there's just more of an open-mindedness, there's just more of an acceptance, there's more tolerance, and that uh, things are uh, way better than they used to be. I mean, I mean, I admit, in the late 70s through the 80s, it was a different world altogether. But I think, uh, you know, people today just have just a, a way more intelligent way of perceiving things. And when it comes to what I do and what I am, it's all about my music. My music is all that matters. Well, expressing your sexuality, Rob, with lyrics like we help keep the population down, were you letting that be known back then? What are we talking about here? The lyrics in the Judas Priest songs. They had some lyrics. You know, we help keep the population down. What are we talking about exactly? I'm not sure. I just remember that lyric. <laughs> or actually a song, Raw Deal. It's a song, Raw Deal, about cruising a gay bar. Raw, raw Deal was a very open song for me. Yeah, that was like really a, a moment that I thought people might grasp onto. But it went, boom right over the top of people's heads. But, I mean, I've never, I've never cheapened the music in so much as using it as a platform for, for my own personal gain. A lot of my lyrics are subjective. A lot of my lyrics are non, don't have a gender placed on them. It's never he and she. Because I've always felt that that way it just opens up the... The, the, the listener's possibility to accept it from whatever they want to take it from. But, you know, that's just, um, that's just a side issue of, of, a, of a lot of things of, of, of who I am and what I am as a person. Temptation. Don't lead me into temptation. Now, were you led any, into any temptation by Trent Reznor at all, Rob? No. no. The two-inch nails? Uh, Two-inch. I'm, I'm, I'm total te totally temptation-free, but uh, I'm, I'm constantly being drawn onto that path, and I avoid it like the plague. Um, it leads you... Um, down the straight and narrow, which is exactly what I'm not. <laughs> but you are the man in black. The man in black. I'm coming back to spew my evil hate. Now, Rob, what are you going to be wearing tonight exactly? Uh, leather. And then I'm going to wear some more leather. And then after the show, I'll probably wear a bit more leather. Did I'm going to hit the town tonight. I'll be on Granville Street. What about the email that you've had on the back of your record? It actually says, your actual email on the back of the record. has your website, but also has the email. Have you checked that? Can fans actually check out HalfordRob at AOL.com? Are you checking that? Yeah, I, I mean, that's what it's there for. If you want to write me and say whatever's on your mind, just go ahead and send it in. Um, we've got this great website called RobHalford.com, which is a combination of uh, biographies, discographies, all the tour dates. You can buy tickets for the shows from there. You can find out everything you want to find out about Halford, where we're going to go next, what we're going to do next, and uh, that's where I would urge everybody to go first, robhalford.com. If you want to get personal, send it to my own personal AOL account. And finally here, Rob Halford, we have Paul Stanley in the Phantom of the Opera. We have Sebastian Bach in Jekyll and Hyde. And we have Rob Halford in Allah. The what? Oliver? Oliver? Rob well, Alfred and Oliver. I see myself in the sound of music, actually. You know, doing that twirling bit at the start that Julie Andrews used to do with the helicopter shot. 
That's me. <laughs> the hills are alive with the sound of the metal god. <laughs> Thank you, metal god, and doot doot a loot do. Do. Do? Welcome to a Monday edition of News 101. I'm Claire Eagle. Right here on News 101. Right here on News 101. Right here on News 101. What motivated you to become a candidate in the provincial election? The media portrayal of last week's protest that resulted in polarizing images of black-clad activists taking to the streets. He was just explaining to us the reason why they wanted to show this film on campus. The official stance is that we are for the Olympics. News 101 reporter Brad Pepping was there. By discriminating against homeless people in Vancouver, there's a disproportionate impact on Aboriginal people as well as people with disabilities. I was pretty outraged. I mean, it's, it is outrageous. In-depth coverage from an alternative perspective. You're listening to News 101, Vancouver's only live, volunteer-produced, student and community newscast 
offering you local, national, and international news from an alternative perspective. And first on the Friday edition of CITR News 101, we go to Free Speech Radio News. This is Free Speech Radio News for Friday, September 23rd, 2000.